Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Table Talk, discussions of church, theology, and culture. My name is Luke Burrow. I'm the family and ministry coordinator here at CBC Elderton. With me, as always, is our lead pastor, Andrew Hall. You join us here for our final episode, part three in our series on facing the loneliness epidemic. Last week, we talked about redeeming loneliness in Christ. We talked about uh, why it is that God might allow his people to experience seasons of loneliness and what, what loneliness does for us in our journey of sanctification. And this week we want to talk about redeeming loneliness as the family of God, because even as it is the case that our loneliness drives us to, to hope in a world to come, to uh, the final uh, fulfillment of, of our relationality, uh, with God in a new heaven and a new earth. It is also true that as God's people, we are brought together as a body, as a family, as a church. And within the church is, we, we have an opportunity to be relational in, in a way that is very unusual in our world mm-hmm. and in a way in which our desire for relationship and our, our loneliness can can find a lot of help and a lot of support. And so we've talked about how loneliness drives us to Christ, but if, even in this world, the gospel not only saves us for the next world, but has mm-hmm. practical solutions for this life as well. And so Andrew, as, as we think about the gospel and how it brings God's people together in the church, how does the gospel address loneliness? When we come to Christ, um, one of the pictures that Ephesians 2 uses is it talks about uh, that you were alienated um, as Gentiles. You were alienated from the promises of God, from the uh, covenants of promise. Uh, you were without God. You were without, without hope in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you've been brought near. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what he says in chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. And as a result of that, part of what the gospel does is first, it, it removes the barrier of sin between us and God. But then the second thing that it does is it, um, it brings us into relationship. Paul makes it very clear in Ephesians 2. It brings us into relationship with other people. Yeah. And it, it suddenly is removing all sorts of the barriers that sin actually constructs. Sin can construct all sorts of barriers uh, racial, economic, um, just personality styles. Uh, that uh, not to not to say that those things don't matter uh, or that they're irrelevant. But in the gospel, actually, what God does is He brings us into a union with Christ. That um, you're actually far more united with other people who are in Christ than you are with people who. Um, who aren't. And mm-hmm. uh, we had mentioned that back when we were talking about the um, Arab-Israeli uh, conflict, yes. that we have more in conflict with with Jewish Christians and Palestinian Christians than we do with uh, unbelievers. More in common, that that is, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I, I got my words mixed up there. <laughs> um, yeah, we have more in common. That's right. And as a result of that, we are brought into the family of God. So, the primary metaphor that the New Testament uses for the church is family language. Yes. Uh, it talks about uh, how we are brothers and sisters, that we are members of one household, 
that, um, that we have a father who is in heaven, that Jesus Christ is our brother. Like suddenly we've gone from alienation and separation and aloneness to a massive collective family that isn't just now, but it spans the, the millennia. And it's, there's a, as Hebrews 12 talks about, there's a great cloud of witnesses mm. that, are, that, that we have. Now, this does not remove the, the realities that we need uh, biological families uh, or families of origin if you're adopted. Uh, we, we need to be in homes. And I think one of the big shortcomings that the World Health Organization uh, is, is lacking, uh, the thing that they miss is that family is a key part in addressing loneliness. That's right. They didn't even touch on uh, the nuclear family. Um, and, and as a result of that, I think a component that is actually God-designed and ordained, the family, uh, exists to help you. The irony is, I don't know how many teenagers, I myself said this, uh, they say things like, my parents just don't get me. No. Oh man, yeah, there's, there's a sense in which you want to be known. And the generation gap that exists between you and your parents or parents between you and your kids, it's real. That does not mean, though, that, uh, that, that we should see ourselves as, as being lonely. It means that there's something that we need to press into. And what, what the gospel does is it brings us into relationship uh, with family, with the family of God, so that we might truly love one another. Absolutely. One of the other metaphors that scripture uses to describe God's people is a, is a body being, being parts of one body. And that, that in itself is a, a metaphor that describes a, a real closeness, a, an incredible closeness, even a, a oneness that is a, a oneness, that, a unity that is addressed all throughout scripture. So there's not, not, not only are we family, not only do we have the same relationship in the church as as we might with a, with a mother a father a sister or a brother but even in in, in a, a way we're even more than that we are tied as closely together as our various body parts are tied together as mm-hmm. part of us and so in the church we have then this closeness this relationship this really antidote to loneliness in so many ways and so many opportunities to seek and pursue relationship just in, in our daily lives in the life of the body. But as, as we all know, relationships are hard. They can be complicated. Mm-hmm. They take work. And so much of the New Testament letters are spent in helping people navigate the interpersonal challenges and difficulties that, that come with life together with That's people right. in, in a fallen world. And so we want to spend a little bit of time thinking about uh, ways that we can forge relationships in the church, things that we can be on the, the lookout for that could be stumbling blocks and ways, ways that we can grow in our, in our relationships in the church. And so Andrew, what are some ways uh, that you can think of that we can grow in forging relationships uh, in the body of Christ. So let's start with that word forge. It's a key word. Um, when, when I was a kid, uh, it was easy to make friends. Uh, there were kids in my class. Uh, we gravitated towards one another. There were neighbors. We played 
street hockey together. Then as I got to high school, it got a little bit more complicated. There were other issues that came up and jealousies and competitiveness. Then I moved away to to go to uh, post-secondary, uh, get some post-secondary education and and it was difficult. Yeah, uh, yeah. The people that I I lived around in dorm, I could I could have close friendships with, but the people back home, it took a lot of work. I had to stay in touch with them. I had to write them. Uh, this is pre cell phone days, oh. um, pre common at least cell phone days, and then and then I I became an adult and I had uh, my own children. And what I found is that uh, suddenly my schedule had shifted. I've got mm-hmm. work, I've got bills to pay, I've got uh kids that uh that need uh that need a dad to be there and and it just got hard. Yeah. It got really really hard. And I think the older that I get, the harder friendship actually is. Absolutely. Um uh I was out for breakfast not that long ago and and I just was commenting to a guy. I said, you know, like I just want to thank you for for shooting me a text as often as you do. And you're, you're very intentional in that. And he laughed and he said, well, actually it's just when I think about it, I do it. And I was like, well, you obviously think a fair bit about it. So thank you for doing it. And what struck me is how we, we start life drifting into relationships, but later in life, you have to work very intentionally. That's right. Uh, You have to deal with, issues that come up you have to resolve conflict you you have to forgive you have to um you have to find those commonalities and and you have to realize that some of those commonalities are um are are actually needing to be forged um for a season there was a group of guys we'd get together in the mornings and we'd we'd go for a walk there were five of us and it certainly helped in terms of just building relationships among us and but the thing that really as a christian uh makes our relationships different is that uh christian friendships are intended for us to love the lord with all of our heart and and these friends are ones who um i think Christian friendship needs to to foster an atmosphere of confession and repentance and grace. And that's what's so scary is that if if you know me, if you know the depths of who I am and the realities of of the struggles that I face, what might you do? What might you how might you respond to that? It's a lot of vulnerability. It is. For sure. And and the older we get, the more flaws and weaknesses and sins that confront us and people don't like us and people find uh, very sometimes petty reasons not to be friends. Um, and other times people just will walk away from friendship. They'll, uh, in the modern language, is just called ghosting. Um, yeah. You don't really have a sense as to what the, the problem is and it leaves you um, confused or isolated. That's not true friendship because friends are uh, there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother, as Proverbs says. And what friendship is encouraging us to do is to know God and to be known by God. And and true friends see your weaknesses, but they also see that there is something else that, this is true of marriage too, in the same way. Um, when When someone really 
has eyes of grace, what they what they see is not predominantly um, the weakness of the other person, but they see the potential that God has for them. Yes, and the grace that God has for them, and that roots the friendship in something that is far more secure and bonding than just we like hockey or we cross stitch or whatever it is that you do. Because then a friend loves you, not merely for your sake, but for Jesus Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, in Romans 16, what I find so interesting, Paul has this list of uh, greetings to the church and over and over and over, the thing that comes up in that passage is how these friends are in the Lord of Christ. They were there as partners in the gospel. Like what strikes me is they are friendships because of the sake of Christ. Mm -hmm. And Christ is our commonality. And when that is the case, then wow, you actually have uh, an opportunity uh, to be surprised that, that people will be there with you when you weep and when you rejoice and vice versa. Um, in fact, I was with a friend just that not that long ago and he was saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just, there's just been such great joys in life right now. And here you are and you've got this struggle. And I, I, I was like, you know what? I need to rejoice with you. You need to weep with me. And that's what friendship is in Christ mm-hmm. is um, we can, we can lean on one another. We can find joys with one another in Jesus Christ. One of the, the most crucial elements here that we're talking about is the fact that while it is true in a, in a sense, in a secular sense in this world, that friendship is just hard. Friendship requires time. It requires energy. It requires intentionality. Yeah. That's, that's true of relationships in the church. It's also true of relationships in the world in general. But what makes relationships in the church different is, is that they are empowered by something far better. They're empowered by the Holy Spirit. As we are in Christ, it isn't just that we are working out friendship and relationship on an earthly level, just with our own strength and with our own wisdom and mm-hmm. with with good heads on our shoulders, but actually the, the Holy Spirit is at work in, in our lives and in the lives of others. And that's how all of this is possible. And it's, it's such a wonderful hope, I think, that we have as we think about loneliness, as we think about relationships in this world. The, the fact that our relationships in the church are, are rooted in the work being done in us by God through, mm-hmm. through the Holy Spirit it means that there's, there's a lot of hope. Even when things are hard and difficult, which certainly they will sometimes be, there's certainly I'm not saying that relationships in the church always are easy or go smoothly because there are many challenges and difficulties that arise in the church, just like anywhere else. But there's, there's at the root of it always an, an understanding and a hope that the Holy Spirit is at work. Mm-hmm. And so we can, we can be gracious with others as they are gracious with us. We can believe and hope the best. And this is where a passage like first Corinthians 13 becomes so much more than just a, a marriage passage. This becomes how we interact with, with everybody in the, the church and bearing all things, believing all things, hoping all things and enduring all things. And 
it's a it's a wonderful gift that we have as as God's people in a world filled with loneliness that we have this this closeness and relationship with others and it's one of i think the the many things that the church has to to offer a lonely world in the gospel the gospel offers so much and as we talk about how the world is filled with so much loneliness this is, this is one of the the hopes that God's people have for the world in and through the gospel. So Andrew, as we come to the end of this episode, as we come to the end of this series, we want to talk about some recommended resources. We've discussed, we've discussed at least one book in these last couple of episodes. We've talked many times about the book Life Together by, yeah. by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. A wonderful book. I think for, for those of you keeping score, that's, I got to, Imagine that's been at least half a dozen times or a dozen times since we started Table Talk that we've talked about that book. It's a, it's a wonderful book, not a long one, honestly, not a particularly difficult read. And so I would highly recommend that to, to anybody interested in, in these things, uh, wanting to think a little bit more about how we live together as God's people in the church. Andrew, are there any other recommended resources uh, that you can think of that you want to pass on to the listener? Oh, there's a slew of resources. I would say with regard to Bonhoeffer's book, read it together with somebody else. Hmm. Don't just read it on your own. Um, When I think about loneliness, uh, Lydia Brownback, uh, Finding God in My Loneliness, uh, has been a read that um, Hmm. I've really appreciated uh, a single woman who has faced life um, in in a way that uh, she's a writer. So there's a lot of solitary nature to her life, but she has some very good reflections. Jonathan uh, or Jared Wilson, sorry, uh, he uh, he's at um, Midwestern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City. Uh, he came out with a book this fall called. Friendship with the Friend of Sinners, the Remarkable Possibility of Closeness with Christ. And so just encouraging you how, what does it mean to have a friend in God? A book that, um, there was a season of my life where I really needed to wrestle with the problem of friendship and loneliness. Christine Hoover was a fantastic guide. It's a book for for women. And I found it to be uh, one of those uh, hey, I, I get to learn a lot here too. Yeah. It's called uh, Christine Hoover, Messy, Beautiful Friendship, Finding and Nurturing and Lasting Relationships. Um, and then one other that I'll mention, uh, Jonathan Holmes, he's a counseling pastor, I believe, at Parkside Church where in just outside of Cleveland, uh, where Alistair Begg is the senior pastor. And he wrote a book, a small book called The Company We Keep in Search of Biblical Friendship. And I would just encourage, those resources are fantastic. And um, more than resources, I would say the the best resource for you is uh, Fellowship with Christ by prayer and the word and just being at the local church, coming to church and having your eyes wide open. Absolutely. We would say more than anything else, the, the best thing that you can do as one of God's people is to, is to be a church, come to church, be a part of God's local body here. Uh, if you're a part of our church, of course, we would love to see you. And if you aren't a, a part of our church, but are, are looking for a church and you want to reach out and 
get some help or recommendations from us, we would certainly be be happy to help and feel free to, to reach out to us through all our normal channels. Thank you everybody for listening to this series. We've talked about facing the loneliness epidemic. Thanks for going on this journey as we've talked about loneliness. Next week, we want to do an episode that is related in some ways, or at least tangential to what we've been talking about these last few weeks. We want to talk more about about suffering in general. Why uh, what is the purpose of suffering in this life? Loneliness is certainly a part of that. There are certainly many other parts as well. And we'll look forward to discussing that with you all next week. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful week and we will see you then. Bye, everybody. Take care.